When you really serve the Lord, you'll look that way. You'll really look that way. Because it takes God to explain what he has you doing. You can't even explain it. And that was the case with Mary. Mary could not really explain what had taken place in her life. Nor could Joseph really explain it. Why he did and acted the way that he acted. When you say to people, well, the Lord, first thing, people look at you like you're crazy. Secondly, they wonder if, you, if you're on something because now you're hearing voices. And we have all these things that take place because what God does in our lives is really unexplainable. And then who God brings into your life, oftentimes, is unexplainable. God will, however, provide and reassure you of what he's doing in your life. If you will yield to his will, he will reassure you that you're in his will. And you'll know it. No matter what others might say, you'll know it. God will give you hope and reveal to you that he is doing a work through you. And oftentimes when God is doing a work through us, other people may be questioning us, and that's okay. But understand, when it's really of God, you can't explain it. All you can really know is this. This is what I must do. For as Paul says, when you look at Paul's life, you would say to Paul, Paul, if the people threw me out of the city and on a garbage hoot and left me there for dead, I wouldn't preach again. But Paul says, woe with me if I what? Preach not. Catch that. There was something inside of Paul that was forcing him to do what he was doing, that was driving him to do what he was doing. Jeremiah, oh Lord, I went to jail for you once. Don't need to go no more. Don't need to suffer no more. And a lot of us are that way. If we suffer one time for the Lord, we don't want to suffer no more. But it said in Jeremiah, there was a fire that was burning in him. And even though Jeremiah confessed with his own mouth, Lord, no more. Yet, he couldn't do anything else but proclaim the words of the Lord. Here we find Mary in Luke asking the question, and the question is the same question that you and I often ask. We either verbalize it to other people or we verbalize it to ourselves in our own mind. In Luke 1 and verse 34, take a look at the question. 
And then ask yourself, how many times have you asked yourself this question? How many times have you asked yourself this question? Because it's important. I'm going to stop right here for a moment. Go get Dante. Ask him to come back in here. We have this young man who's in pain with us constantly. He has an older person's disease. And it's like an arthritis in his hip area. The doctors right now, they don't know which way it's going to go. Come on up here, Dante. I'm going to ask a couple of the men, would you come up here with me? Why don't you just lay hands on him? I want you to pray for him. You know, sometimes we're young. We don't know why we go through the things what, that we're going through. But God will always reveal an answer. And my prayer is that God will use this to glorify himself. I have a friend that I'm reading his book right now. He hasn't eaten any food for over two years now. He can't eat. And they've had to hook him up and he only eats through an IV, which is just liquids. He can smell the bread when it's cooking, or he can smell this, and he has a taste, but he can't eat anything. But he is learning that God is his food and his drink. Amen. And I want you to be assured of this. God's grace is sufficient for you. God is an all-sufficient God. I don't know why you're going through this. I wish I could answer that. Okay? I don't know why that hip it's like it is. But God does. And if you allow him to use you, he'll do great things. Okay? Some of these men are going to pray for you, and I'm going to close out, okay? Whoever is filled in. Father, we thank you right now. Father, we thank you for the legacy that's in this young man right now. We thank you for the preacher, God. We thank you for the evangelist, God. We just thank you right now, Father. God, we ask you to touch his body right yes. now, Father. We mm -hmm. ask you, Father, to let the enemy yes, stay Lord. away from him. Father, yes. Yes. I thank you right now, God, that you're able to let the angels talk him wherever he goes, Father. I thank you right now, God, that you're able, Father, to yes. go in and pour out what needs to be poured out and Please. pour in what needs to be poured into your name, Father. Yes. Right now, God, I thank you on high, Father, yes. that you're able to do all things but yes. fail, God. Yes. So, God, Amen. I thank you right now, Father, right now, God, that you use thank this. Man. God, you use them through your word, God, you yeah. use them through yeah. your soul, God, you use them through your speak, God, you use them, God, to speak yes. to them, Father, yeah. in the holy way. God, I thank you right now, thank my you, Lord. Yeah. that you're able to do all things, Lord. 
I thank you, God, for walking with thee, God. Amen. I thank you, God, for letting him walk with you, Father. I thank you, Father, in the school that he's walking with you. At home, he's walking with yeah, you, God. Yeah, in church, yes, he's walking yes. with you, Father. Wherever you go, he's walking with thee, Father. Yes, Lord, and I thank you. Yes, thank you. And I know that it's done in your name, God. I know that it's done in your name, Father. And I know that it's done in thy name. Father, there are many things that we don't understand about this. But Lord, you call us and challenge us to look to you through all circumstances. Lord, we know you're the great healer. You're the great provider. And even if it's not healing of the body, it is the healing of our souls. The healing of our minds, our hearts. That cause us to give pause and focus upon you. And Lord, as God touched the hip socket of Jacob Amen. and gave him a reminder as to who he was, we do pray for healing, but we also just pray for understanding and we pray for a closer walk with you in all things that we do. And we thank you for those reminders. We thank you for your presence. Yes, Lord, we pray. We pray that you would just continue to touch Dante. Yes. Give him the desire to seek you in all things. Yes. Yes. And we just give you thanks and praise. Yes. Dear Lord, you said act and it shall be, shall, shall be given unto you. Amen. Yes. Yes. Father, we could do, do all things to you. Father, we as brothers to Dante lift him up. Yes. It's not about our age, it's about our faith. Yes. Yes. It's about serving the same God, the yes. Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Sometimes young people look at us as older men or older women, but Lord, we are all just the children of God. Yes. And we all have our afflictions. We lift up Dante asking that, Lord, you would wash him anew and afresh in the blood of Christ, that your Holy Spirit would minister to him, and that, Lord, you would be the God that healeth. Lord, we have no one else to call upon. The doctors have done what they can do at this point, and they will continue to do what they're going to do, but Lord, we pray that you would intervene, that even at the next doctor visit, they will be able to say something's going on. And Lord, we, by faith, ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that Lord, that you would heal Dante as a testimony of your love for him. And that, Lord, that your hand is not short. You're more than able. And by faith we pray and by faith we believe that he will be healed of this. And he will be able to live a normal life as a young man. Allow your grace to be sufficient for him. Take away all of his fears, all his anxieties. Remove them. And allow him to hope in thee above all else. Yes, 
Again, we thank you. We thank commit you. ourselves to praying for him. Yes. And we commend him anew and afresh into your hands. Yes. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. 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 You may not see us, but we're praying for you, okay? All right, Dante. Somebody helping on one to fall home. As we go back to Luke chapter 1 and that verse 34 and we're asking that question that Mary asked and oftentimes we ask and we may even ask it right now how will this be done? How will this be done? Because when things challenge us individually or as a group or even as the church one of the things that we come up with is how will this be done? And God, in his own way sometimes, don't give us an immediate answer. But if we will walk with him, and, and, that, and, and that becomes the secret and the key to this thing. If we will walk with him and be obedient to him, it's amazing to see what God then does. And he does it. And Mary had to make that decision. That in saying yes to the Lord, that she was going to walk with him and be faithful, no matter what. To be faithful. And then watch and see what the Lord would do. Because the question is, how will this be done? Are you asking me to go out and sleep with somebody in order to bring forth? No, I'm not asking that. The whole issue is, how will it be done? Because in her mind, she could not understand how this would be done. And many times for you and I, we don't understand how it will be done. But we just need to follow the Lord and wait on the Lord. We are always questioning if God is able to do something based on who we are as a person or as a group. And what we often forget is that God is asking that we be willing, not able. He didn't come and ask, are you able to do this? He asked, are you willing to do this? And sometimes the issue is not our enableness, our ability, it's just our willingness. And you and I have to come to a place and answer, are we willing to do it? God already knows we're not able to do it. From the moment he asked us, he understands we're not able. We don't have the ability, the deficiencies that lie in us, the inadequacies that are in us, the insufficiencies that are there. God knows all those things about us. But what he is asking is our willingness. Is our willingness. When God asks us to do something, he knows our abilities already. He knows what is lacking. The question is, are we willing? Can you say, let it be done unto me, Lord, according to your will? 
Can you honestly say to the Lord, Lord, let it be done unto me according to your will. Allow whatever you want to do through me, just do it, Lord, according to your will. That there's a surrendering of yourself to be used of God without you picking and choosing where he can place you or use you, but that somehow you know when God really wants to use you that you're just willing to yield and say, yes, Lord. Willing to do his will, and he will walk you through his plan. And I want you to catch this. He'll walk you through his plan, and he'll provide for you. Mary's question is a picture of you and me. Of you and me. And the answer that is given to her is the same answer that you and I receive from the Lord. That the power of the Most High will have to intervene in this situation. For we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would have to come and that the Holy Spirit would have to do a work. Now, what we are looking for this morning is simply this. God revealing to Mary his plan. And we know Gabriel came and explained that plan to Mary. And Gabriel gave Mary information about who she was going to bear. That she was going to bring forth a savior for Israel. A savior for the world. The question again is how? And what we're looking for this morning again is the plan, how God worked in the lives of others to assist Mary. The plan, then secondly, how did God work in the lives of others to assist Mary? Thirdly, the words of encouragement to Mary. Fourthly, to reveal a deeper truth to Mary and even provide for Mary doing the journey. That's what we want to see this morning. The angel pointed Mary to Elizabeth. After the angel was finished talking with Mary, he tells her this story about her cousin, Elizabeth. That Elizabeth was with child. Go there with me. Pick up again in 34. How will this be, Mary asked, the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And listen to Mary's answer. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. 
But afterwards, look what is taking place after the angel leaves. It is said very quickly at that point that Mary's ready to take a trip. <laughs> Mary's ready to take a trip. Because you and I, whether we know it or not, we need some type of physical evidence at times. Was Mary dreaming? Was Mary daydreaming about this angel? Was Mary using her imagination? Was it something that she ate that day or something that she may have sipped on? And, 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 and Mary wants to go this other step and the angel gives her and points her to her cousin Elizabeth that's already with child, six months pregnant. And she was known to be the barren one. She was known by that. She was known by that. So that it says, at that time, in verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. Now, she hurries there. Even after what she heard from the angel, she needs yet this physical evidence also. And guess what? You and I, when God speaks to us, we also need what? Some type of tangible, physical evidence that says God is what? He's at work. God, is nice that you talk to me. It's nice that you drop this into my spirit, as people say. It's nice that this is on my mind. But Lord, I got to see something else too. And the angel points her to Elizabeth. To Elizabeth. He points her. Elizabeth is your relative. So number one, he points her to somebody that, he would, that she would trust. Understand, God will put people that you will trust around you also. And he points her to Elizabeth. But he also tells her just a little bit about Elizabeth. Because Elizabeth had picked up this sort of like this nickname or as people would talk about Elizabeth in the community, she was known as the what? The barren one. The barren one. The one who is up in age and who have never gave birth to a child. Now I have to understand for a Jewish woman back in that day because every Jewish woman was looking to do what? Bring forth the Messiah. But even at that point she could not even give a child to carry her husband's name on. And that day that was a shame. And yet, the angel says and makes it very clear to Mary, she's six months pregnant in her old age, past her childbearing years, in her old age. So he emphasizes these things to Mary. And Mary packs up and Mary's gone. For she could see this for herself. And what is in your mind, what is in your heart that is impossible for God to do? What is it that you're questioning God about 
How will this happen? How will this take place? Can this take place? Will it take place? We all question, don't we? We all have those doubts. We all have those thoughts if God is going to do what his word says he's going to do. We, have, we come up with some good little saying. Well, Lord, I'm just standing on your word. Lord, I'm just trusting you in your promises. Are we saying that or do we really mean it? As Christians, we have taught ourselves to say the right things. But are we really believing the right things? And are we really doing the right things? We know what to say. But what is our life saying? Now, what I want you to take note of is what Elizabeth says to Mary. The words of encouragement that comes from Mary. Mary takes off again immediately to see Elizabeth. Because she wants to see this. She wants to know about this. But listen now to what Elizabeth is going to say to Mary. What Elizabeth says, first of all, is not of herself. Go to verse 41. Look who's intervening again. Look who's there. Look what God is doing. So in verse 41, it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Catch that. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And God is going to speak through Elizabeth to encourage Mary still. And it's strange what even Mary says because Mary asks the same question that Elizabeth asked the same question that Mary asked earlier. Why would I have found such favor in your sight that you would come visit me? Take a good look at that. But first of all, she says, Blessed are you among women. In 42, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the child you will bear. But blessed are you among women. When God picks you or picks me for a task, what you and I need to understand, it is a blessing. That when God chooses you to speak to someone, when God chooses you to be kind to someone, when God picks you to minister to someone, that's a blessing. Because God could have chose someone else. And you and I need to recognize when God picks us for a task, it is it, it, it's not about us, it's about him. When he picks us to clean his church, we do it for his glory. When he picks us to speak to someone, we're lifting him up, not ourselves. When God is doing our work through us or using us, it's a blessing to be used of God, no matter what the task might be. There's, in God's eyesight, there's no small task, big task. 
It's all for his glory. For whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might and all your strength and all your power for the glory of God. No matter how little, how big, we do it in such a way that it truly glorifies him. Speaking on his behalf and helping someone else by giving them a smile, by giving them a kind word. We need to understand that we're speaking on the behalf of the Lord and who we're representing. That whatever we're doing, we're representing him. We're glorifying him. And if we cut people short, we're not cutting them short, we're cutting him short. Because he's the one who has assigned us that task. And whenever God chooses to use us in a task, a task for his glory and for his purpose, we are blessed. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 3.9 simply says, we are God's fellow workers. We're, we work with him. We work with him. Then in verse 43, Elizabeth asked, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Why would I be favored? Not knowing that she had the answer for Mary. That Mary needed her. And that God has set her as a forerunner for Mary to show what is impossible with man is possible with God. And that by Mary seeing Elizabeth, she could really believe God is able. God is able. And sometimes when we see in the life of somebody else, we're able to say, God is able. God is able. God is able. And we need to recognize that. That he's more than able. And with Elizabeth, the words of encouragement, blessed is she who has believed. When you come down, into that verse 43. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Now, what I want you to do is think about that. Put that in the life of Elizabeth and Zacharias. Because now Elizabeth have lived through that when one doesn't believe. Remember to what happened to Zacharias in the temple when he would not believe? The Lord did what? Shut his mouth, took his speech. And Elizabeth had to live with the husband for eight or nine months that could not speak. And he did not speak until it became the time to name the child. And it says in scripture, because of his unbelief, his mouth was shut. And catch what she says again. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Boy, when God speaks to you, do you believe it will be accomplished? When God speaks to you, do you believe it will come to pass? When God reveals something to you, do you believe that God is more than able? The issue is, do we believe? 
And Mary, at that point, oh, I imagine she was jumping awesome. Because everything that the angel has said to her have what? Is true and come to pass. And not only that, as she goes to visit her cousin, she is encouraged. She's encouraged because Elizabeth knows who this child is that she's going to give birth to. And the only way Elizabeth would know that is that God has already spoken. And it says that the Holy Spirit filled her and those words were spoken. The second person that Elizabeth has to deal with now is Joseph. We don't see this sometime in, in, in scripture, but what I want you to catch is this here. And, 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 and really catch hold of it and see it. When Mary leaves Elizabeth, she's going back home. History says that she spent approximately about three months with Elizabeth. Well, if, if, if it was a little time before she left and in three months, you begin as a pregnant woman, begin to what? Show a little bit. One or two things happen. Either Mary went to Joseph and tried to explain to her that she was with child. And could you imagine what Joseph is saying? Who's the man? What's going on? Or Joseph just looked and knew he hadn't slept with her. So what's going on? And it puzzles Joseph. And here's one of these dilemmas that I want to share with you. There are things when God will ask you to do that you cannot explain. And there was no way for Mary to explain this to Joseph. It was going to take a divine intervention of God to explain it. And that's what takes place. And it's strange how God allowed Joseph to kind of like think through this process. And then even in scripture, it came to that place, turn with me to Matthew, that after Joseph had made up his mind on what he's going to do, that then God speaks. That God speaks. God speaks. He steps in. It says in verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I want you to also take note of this here too, how often the Holy Spirit is jumping up in this. Showing God constantly involved. That when God sends you on a mission, you ought to be able to see God involved. You ought to see God doing it. You ought to see God rescuing. You ought to see God just on time. 
You ought to see God opening up doors. You ought to see God sitting some people down. You ought to see God moving people out of your life. You ought to see God bringing people into your life. You ought to see God doing something. And here, Joseph made up his mind what he was going to do. And then God steps in. Because there was nothing that Mary was going to say because the trust factor had been what? Broken. And it takes God to intervene in those situations. That when the trust factor and you put your hope and trust in somebody and that's been broken, it takes God to step into that. It takes God to do some healing. It takes God to do some speaking to us. And God speaks to Joseph in a dream. And Joseph does exactly what the angel commanded him to do. So the scripture says he took Mary home with him to be his wife. That is something. When you come on down in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. You, do you think Mary is praising the Lord? Do you think Mary is thanking the Lord for getting her over there? She can't explain this. But God intervenes here. But it also is further evidence to Mary that this is God's plan for her. It gives Mary more confidence that I can do this for the Lord. It builds up Mary's hope that this is true. Elizabeth, Joseph, God both used intervened. The next person is Simeon. God deals with Joseph and Mary, with Simeon. Back to Luke, chapter 2. They're going to take their child to the temple to be consecrated unto the Lord, to be dedicated unto the Lord. But I want you to take note of something also. The child, she's giving birth, they're taking the child, they're being obedient to scripture. They're following through with what God's word says. But the scripture gives us a little bit of indication of their condition and the shape that they're in. He allows us to see that. Go to verse 24 in chapter 2. It says, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons. I want you to put that in your mind and hold it there. Because, see, if that's all you are able to offer, you're what? You're poor. You're poor. Because in Leviticus 12, verses 6 and 8, it tells, especially in 
first six verse, it starts off that for that firstborn, when they bring them to be consecrated, you are to bring a lamb or a sheep. You are to bring something more valuable than a dove and a pigeon. But then when you get down into verse 8, it says, if you cannot bring a lamb, then you can bring a dove or pigeons. Poor. Poor. Don't have anything to speak of. How many of you believe when God sends you on a task, God will provide for you? Yeah. No matter how great the task is, it becomes God's responsibility to do the what? The providing. The question you have to really answer is this. Is God sending me? Is God using me? Is God working in my life? Oftentimes, we dictate that by what we see around us. Boy, just think. Maybe if we had 500 people here, we wouldn't wait on the Lord for a new building. We would just step out and do what? Yeah. Because we got the numbers. Because we think in numbers we have strength. Understand. You and the Lord is a mighty force to deal with. But he makes it very clear here that yes, they're poor. But I want you to also look at something about Simeon here. Look again at verse 25 with Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Who? What was upon him? Look at God showing up again. Is God consistent in working with Mary? I want you to see that. God isn't leaving her by herself. He didn't get her out here and just let her hang by herself. Again, here's Simeon. Filled with the Holy Spirit. A righteous man. A devout man. Hang on to that thought too because it's important. It's important because who hands Jesus Christ wind up in. Are hands of a righteous man. And a devout man. Not just any kind of man. Understand Jesus can't wind up in just anybody's lap, anybody's hands, anybody's life. But I want you to also catch what Joseph's going to say to Mary. When you look down in verse 27, it says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Because it was promised unto Simeon that he would not die until he see the consolation of the Lord. 
till he seed the one who would save Israel. Now look, listen to what he says. Which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light, a revelation to the Gentile. Hang on to that thought also. I know I'm giving you a couple of thoughts to hang on to, but I want you to hang on to them because I think scripture answers them. A life of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. What's happening now? Again, confirmation to Mary, but also confirmation to who? Joseph. Simeon is confirming in both of their ears God's plan, God's purpose, God using them in both of their ears now. Not separately, but what? Together. Husbands and wives, let me share this to you. There will be a time that God speaks to both of you and you know this is what God wants you to do. That you're not pulling this way and that way, but you're walking what? Together. And he says, they both heard what Simeon said. They both heard the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. He blessed them both. He blessed them both. Not just one, but both of them. For the work that they were going to undertake for the Lord. Because it's not an easy task. Joseph, was it easy for him to explain to his friends why he took a woman who was pregnant with child? Could you imagine what Joseph was going through? You're going to take care of somebody else's child. You're going to raise somebody else's child. You're going to do this. You're going to do... And then, Joseph, if she wasn't faithful to you before, why do you think she'll be faithful to you what? Could you imagine what Joseph was going through also? Now, men, y'all know how we talk, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know what we say in the locker rooms. You know what we say in the barbershops. You know what is said. And here's Joseph. And he cannot really explain why he would take Mary as his wife. But Simeon blesses them both. Now I ask you to hold on to two things. One in this text where it was said that they were poor really because they bought doves or pigeons. And the second one, a light to the Gentile. How many of you understand the Magi's or the three wise men were Gentiles? They, they were not Jews. They were not Jews. And they may have been the first Gentiles to worship and recognize who Jesus Christ really was. 
But again, God directed them. God directed them. God showed them how to get to Jerusalem. It's not that they didn't know how. But to get to Jerusalem and find the exact house. And God used them in a different way also. God used these Gentiles to shake up Jerusalem. He used these Gentiles to shake up Herod. He used these Gentiles who weren't supposed to know anything to cause the priests and the scribes and the teachers to go and seek that in scripture what they had lost. You and I, if we don't stay in scripture, we'll lose it. Need to understand that. Just because you read the Bible once don't mean you got it. <laughs> and because you read it 10 times don't mean you got it. It's staying in the book, staying in the word. And these individuals, they had to go search it out of where the Messiah, where the Christ child would be born. And in Micah, it mentions it in Micah 5.2, that he would be born out of Bethlehem, for the Lord would call his servant out of Bethlehem. And they came back and told Herod, it's in Bethlehem he's born. And then the scripture tells us that Herod had a secret meeting with the Magi's to find out approximately when did they see this star. And remember what it said? That it would be a light unto the Gentiles. And here are these Gentiles showing up. As these Gentiles waking up a Jewish nation who is looking for a Messiah saying, he's here. Everywhere else we read in scripture about Christ's birth, the shepherds were Jewish. Everywhere else were Jewish. But when it comes to these magis, they were Gentiles. History tells us they may have heard about this Jewish king or this redeemer or this deliverer from Jews that were living in the far east in their countries. But it sparked the interest that they would travel such a distance to come see for themselves. How far would you travel to really get the word of God? If you were somewhere and you had to travel 50 miles round trip to get to a round trip to get the word of God, would, would you do it? Would you do it? Or would you just say it's too far? See, understand, to really get the word of God, you can never go too far. You can never go too far. They were directed there, and they were directed there with a purpose. And I want you to seize this for yourself in Scripture. It took me a little while to connect it also. It's strange how you can preach Christmas stories over and over again and then come back and get something new and something different. Remember, the scripture is showing us in the temple they're poor. 
Remember that the scripture is showing us all the way through. God's having to confirm. God has to confirm. God has to confirm them that this is his work. And if God calls you to a task, God will provide for you also. When you go back over into Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, and verse 18. Matthew deals with Joseph. I want to get to the point where he's dealing with the Gentiles. In chapter 2, Matthew 2. Come on down with me in verse 11. We're going to pick up there. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down. They saw the child with their mother Mary, and they bowed down. Second, Second Corinthians, I believe I want to go to. Chapter 5. Second Corinthians, chapter 5, and verse 16. What they saw in one sighting of the eyes was a young child. He's not in the manger, but he's somewhere between one and two years old now. He's not in the manger. Look at verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. At one time, we looked at Christ and what we said, what we saw, what Paul is saying here is this. When I once looked upon Christ, all I saw was a what? A man. I didn't see God. I just saw a man. And I regarded him as a man. But he says, no longer. Because when God begins to manifest himself to you, you see him more than just a man. When God begins to unravel and reveal who Jesus Christ really is to you, you see him more than just a man. So you have a lot of people today that just say, yeah, he was just a man. He was just a man. The thing is, God hasn't opened their eyes. And the moment they stepped into that room, though they saw a child, what they saw was God. And they bowed down and they worshipped. They bowed down and they worshipped. Something vital here for us to learn. And I never put these two things together before. But it's important that we capture this truth. Because I think it's part that often today we miss. He says, 
and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. Why not come in and give him the gifts first? Because God is not after our gifts. God isn't after what we can give him per se. What he is after is our acknowledgement of who he is. Now once we recognize who he is, now comes the value of the gift. You catch it? When we really worship him, when we really love him, nothing that he could ask is too much of us. If he asks for it all, we'll give it all. It's when you really worship and know who he is. Do the gift really follow? Does the gift really follow? Now catch this what takes place. Remember what I said in the temple? They gave doves and pigeons. And they were poor. When you are about God's business and you're doing God's task, God will finance his work. Look what the gifts are. And look what he starts off with. Gold. What is gold? We translate it as money. Money. Finances. And the first thing that is mentioned is not the myrrh, not the incense, but gold. The money that is needed to raise this child, take care of this family. And God is showing from the very beginning, I'll take care of my son. I'll provide. I'll meet the need. Because you said yes. And whenever you say yes to God, and you're willing to serve God, he'll provide. He'll provide. I'm not saying you're not going to struggle. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. I'm not saying that there are going to be times you're on your knees at the midnight hour praying, Lord, if it don't come, But look what God did. He used three Gentiles to bring the gold to finance the plan that he put forth with Mary and Joseph. Isn't that something? And at Christmas season, when we really worship him, I hope whatever you spend for Christmas, you give to God. That God is more than all this other stuff. It's getting that perspective again, recapturing that view of who God is. That when we really worship him, we bring him our very best. Sad part about a lot of Christians, we will be broke for the next three months and can't give anything much. 
And Satan uses us in that fashion. Will man rob God? The answer is very simple to that one. Yes, he will. Even though we say, well, we're going to catch up and we're going to do this, we never catch up. But these Gentiles, they came and they saw the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They didn't see a baby and they bowed down and worshipped. And after they worshipped, they gave. They gave. And God once again confirmed to Mary, because you said yes to me, because you were willing to do my will and not your will, I will take care of this plan, of this child, of this family. I'll take care of See the picture a little different all the way through? When God calls you to perform a task or God calls you into his service, he will confirm it. And he'll bring people along to encourage you. He'll bring people along who really don't know anything about it, but God has said to them, and they'll say the right words to you, and you will know it. And even when you think you're at odds with somebody, as Mary thought she was at odds with Joseph, understand this. God gave Joseph such a peace and, a, and an assurance that he could just bring Mary in. And only God can do that. Amen. Only God can do that. When a trust has been broken, only God can give you the assurance once again and the peace. And then God send these three Gentiles to be a blessing to them. And you'll never know who God's going to send to you to be a blessing to you. You'll never know. It may be somebody of a different ethnic group. Maybe somebody of a different color. It may be somebody that you wouldn't care much about. But God is using them and he brings them into your life to be a blessing to you. Let's pray.